0: Come on, give them another round of applause. Yes. What an amazing song. I am the one you love. Is that not the good news for the believer? Hey, doesn't matter what happens in the world, we are loved, we are blessed, we are highly favored of God. Amen? Amen. Uh, Am I center, guys? Is that fine? I feel like I'm not center. Okay. Thank you. Arigato. Morning, everyone. Yes, we're having a lack of morning in church, eh? Anyone want to share what they experienced in worship this morning? I was asking a few people. Did y'all experience anything uh, different, special, noteworthy? Anyone? Any takers? Ash? You want to share with us? Or you just want to say it, it was it was awesome? It was great. Yeah, I love that. I love that. It was great. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Do you want to come share on the mic, please? For our live live stream and uh, recording. Come on, give it a round of applause. Hopefully you'll inspire some people here this morning.
1: Morning, everyone. Um, over the past week, I've been through quite a bit um, in my business and whatever. And I think I kind of came to church with an excited heart, but sometimes, you know, you get lost in... Your emotions once again and so I think I had a bit of heaviness and it took me a while to warm up in the prayer session but when I did man oh man did God really remind me as he always does where he lives in my heart and while I was praying um, he actually told me directly that and reminded me that I must stop disqualifying myself he has told me who I am and he has told me the value I have and he has told me that I do not need to shrink back from that high value. I do not need to wonder where my provision will come from or what people think of me because he has told me that I'm his precious and valued daughter and nothing that anyone says will ever change that. So, yes. Um, And I think just going forward that that is something that everyone needs to know. Often when we have feelings of unworthiness, it is something that we are applying to ourselves. It is somewhere that we are choosing to dwell. But we don't need to be there. We don't need to carry that on our shoulders because it is done. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Amen.
0: Sure, you don't want to do the message this morning? Yes, that was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Fire it up. I love it. I love it. Anyone else? Come on, did that encourage anyone? Did you, someone get motivated? Come and share something. Going once, going twice. Okay, it's gone. <laughs> Come on, give God a praise. Yeah. <laughs> what a beautiful oh, coffee. What a beautiful, what a beautiful coffee. Those of you who know Uncle Sorrow, coffee is available afterwards. Yeah, let's go. Um, For those of you who don't drink coffee, it's okay. Uh, Come forward for prayer afterwards. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Miracles do happen. We will make you a lover of coffee, just like you're already a lover of Jesus. It's all good. (laughs) No, you won't. With God, all things are possible, Mel. (laughs) But who was here last week? Yeah, we're talking about walking with God, right? That's an interesting one. You've heard about serving him and loving him and giving your life for him. How often have you heard about walking with him? Not too often, eh? Do we have the graphic, guys? I think it's there in Easy Worship. I think they loaded it last week, but you can put it up so long. Um, and um, anyone uh, got some, uh, some noteworthy points that stuck from last week? Pastor Tussle was up here, man. He he just opened it so beautifully. I was listening there at the back. I'm like, oh, we can go here, we can go here, we can go here. Oh, that's so good, that's so good. You know, and he touched on so many uh, amazing points about practically walking with God, you know, and, and how those different mechanics work, right? And uh, this morning, we're going to be carrying on. I don't think we have the graphic. It's cool, no stress, it's all good. Uh, we're going to be carrying on with, that, uh, with this subject, right? Because how many of you all right, can agree that walking with God sometimes becomes a bit confusing, right? <laughs> James agrees. Thanks for that hand, James. <laughs> uh, walking with God sometimes becomes a bit confusing, and where is the uncertainty? Have you guys ever asked yourself that question? When you become a bit confused about walking with God, where's the uncertainty? Is it on your side or is it on God's side? I mean, honestly speaking, right? Okay, okay, I know you all are good Christians. Okay, obviously, yes. It's on, it's on our side, we understand that now, but I mean, a lot of the times, you know, we're not completely convinced about what God's going to do, or what God has promised, right? We'll read the word, the word says, God, God says, I am the Lord who heals you, right? The Bible tells us that by his stripes we are healed, amen? He was stricken for our infirmities, you know, in all the Isaiah 53, Matthew 8, all of that stuff, right? But how often then, when it comes time to walking in that, we're a bit. Anyone knows what I'm talking about? Like Grant shared this morning about uh, uh, resources, right? How many of you know that God is a provider? He provides, man. That's it. He always provides, and then sometimes you come to month end, and then you know your debit orders are coming. <laughs> And then you see the petrol price announcement (laughs) and you see all that stuff. It gets a bit, it gets a bit hectic, right? That's that area where we talk about the rubber meeting the road. Are you guys with me? And sometimes when we talk about walking with God, do you guys have this feeling where you know something in the natural needs to be done? Okay. You know it. You're like, okay, my bond payment's coming up. I don't have enough in the bank, but Lord, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you, Lord. I'm trusting you. And then day by day goes by and you keep saying with your mouth, you're trusting God, but the fear in your heart is growing. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Jen, was that a real one for you? Eh? That, was, that was a real one. <laughs> Do you guys know what I'm talking about? And then you're going, you're going, and then boom, one day before your bond payment is due, there you go. Boom. Your need is met. Right? You guys know what I'm talking about? Sometimes it's a few days after and the bank's like, hey, you were late. You're like, yeah, well, I'm sorry. Okay, you got it anyway, right? But do you guys know what I'm talking about? Now, the thing is this, when you come on the other side of that, okay, how many of you <laughs> look back and you're like, but why was I stressing? Do you guys, right? And then the next time it's needed, you don't say, no, I'm not gonna stress this time. What do you do? You stress again. And you think to yourself, Yenna, what is fault met me? Yes, yeah, see, it's like, can I not just learn a lesson? You know, and it's, um, it's such an amazing thing because that's not a, a, a unique problem, right? You look, through the, you, you look throughout the entire Old Testament, okay? Every person that God tried to include in this plan to save humanity, to bring forth the Messiah, right? They all had the exact same issue. Look at the Israelites. My word. You see 10 plagues in Egypt. Not only do you get to leave, you get to leave with all the gold, all the resources, Right, You get to the ocean and you're like, oh, God brought us to die. Look, Moses, Pharaoh, they're coming, look. Moses is like, just chill, you just chill. It's all good that he comes to God. What do you want me to do? Dude, they're going to kill us. And God's like, raise your staff. There in front of you, the sea opens and you're like, Moses is like, let's go. And you're like, okay, we're either going to drown or we're going to get killed. But let's go. You get through to the other side and you're like, sheesh. And you're excited. You're like, man, did you just see what happened? We walked through on dry land in the middle of an ocean. The ocean split in front of us. Then supper time came that day. They're like, yo, we can't eat. Now where's the food? We're going to die of starvation. Lord, help us. The sun is setting. Oh, we're getting cold in the desert. Oh, no. Boom, pillar of fire. The quail comes down and the manna comes down. Next day, yes, as we're feeling hot, we're going to cook in this desert. Boom, there's a cloud. And step by step by step, they're complaining and complaining and complaining and complaining. They're seeing miracle after miracle after miracle, yet they're still complaining. Yes, all the Christians are like, yeah. Don't say, yeah, the Israelites say, yeah, that's me. (laughs) Then they're like, Lord, we're thirsty. Lord tells Moses, speak to the rock. Moses is even frustrated. He smacks the rock. Boom. And all this water comes out. There They, eat. they drink the water, right? And you guys know the rest of the story. I mean, it's, it's, it's truly miraculous, you know? And there are countless stories throughout the Old Testament. But, you know, when we look at it, God told Moses, he said, listen, dude, I've heard the cries of my people. It's in Exodus. You can go read it, right? I've heard the cries of my people. I need you to go back. And I need you to set them free. And Moses is like, okay, I get what you're saying, right? But you're telling me to go back to the Egyptian empire. Tell that bra that's in charge, let your people go. Yes, Moses, that's what I'm saying. Okay. So then, how about I don't do that? That was basically Moses' response, right? And it's amazing, they have a bit of a dialogue, you can go read it, um, Moses says to God, he says, all right, if I'm going to go, let's hypothetically say I'm going. I'll entertain you for a while, Lord. If I'm going to go, who must I say sent me? And God says, tell them, I am that I am has sent you, right? And later on, he says that I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. By my name, I will be known right now Moses rocks up there you guys know the story if you've seen Prince of Egypt it's a loose sort of translation of what actually happened in there but please go read the book of Exodus if you can no just go read it you all can read praise the Lord okay (laughs) um but you go read the story and you you know let my people go you know that whole scene it was really epic but um they come out but there's something that we always forget do you enjoy that Ash was that good (laughs) It really wasn't good, but it was funny. (laughs) Um, There's a very, very crucial element we need to identify when we read these stories. You know, because when we read these stories, we're always looking at what the people are doing in it. Right? Why? Because we identify with people. Right? And because we identify with people, when we read the Bible, we identify with the people in the Bible. We don't identify with the God of the Bible. Okay? Okay. I need you guys to pay attention here, okay? On Wednesday, I went into this a bit. I don't know, yo, Wednesday. Who was here on Wednesday? Yes, see, we went off, eh? Jeez. It was, it was good. It was a bit hectic. But um, we identify with the people of the Bible and not the God of the Bible. Now, what God told Moses was that I am that I am has sent you, right? I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and by my names I will be known, okay? Exodus 3, I think it is. Now, he told that directly to Moses, okay? When we go and look at how Moses walked with God from the time he was called with the burning bush up until the time he died, Moses was the only one, obviously Joshua and Caleb came later, but Moses was the only one who truly walked with God. Israel was a nation called by God, right, given every promise of God, told by God that they will be made a holy, prosperous, and blessed nation, and they were, they were made that. And they were envied by every other nation in the world at that time, right? And they knew that Israel was blessed by the Lord Most High, okay? But Israel wasn't walking with God. Moses was the only one. And obviously Joshua and Caleb after that, right? Even Aaron and Miriam, they had their own stories, okay? And it's amazing how we identify with the people who always have these stories, like the Israelites, like Aaron, like Miriam, etc. Are you with me? And when we read the stories of the Bible, like I said, um, we identify with the people. Like, how many of you have ever been told, oh, I see a spirit of David on you? I'm like, no, 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 I don't want that spirit, no. I've got the Holy Spirit, don't. You guys go read David's, David's story. You want his spirit? Ha, ah, ah. ha. All the guys are like, yeah, let me go on my balcony. I want to see a woman bathing there. yeah. <laughs> Where is she? Hello. Hello, you know. Um, David had a hectic story, you know. And as much as he had an amazing heart for God and he walked with God, David could not experience a walk with God that has now been made available to you and I. You see, even when David wrote in the Psalms and, you know, in, in his account, when the Bible documents what he said and what he went through and everything, he knew of a generation that was coming that could experience God independent of anything physical that was happening. Right? Not like the Israelites, that they would experience God from miracle to miracle, breakthrough to breakthrough, right? He himself said that blessed is the generation whose sin the Lord will not count against them. Right? Why is he saying that? He's not talking about himself. He's realizing that the time is coming. Right? The time is coming for that. And you and I are in that time. From the time Jesus rose again and ascended to heaven, that time began. Amen? And we've been in that time, right? So if we want to talk about walking with God, and I just had to just paint that picture quickly. um, Because when it comes to walking with God, and Tassel touched on this last week when he was talking about how we relate to God exactly how we relate to people in our lives. Are you with me? That's why I made the statement now that we relate more to the people in the Bible than the God of the Bible. Are you with me? Because how many of you, when you read the red letters in the Bible, you're like, oh, okay, he's talking to me. Okay, sure. All right, cool. You don't think that, wait a minute, what he's talking about is mine as well. Are you not a co-heir with Christ? Has he not given you his inheritance? So that means all the red letters that he's talking about for himself are as much for you and I. Are you with me? They're not just directives that, oh, we need to get there. Those are the same words that are resonating in our hearts. Are you guys with me? So when we talk about um, walking with God, right, we need to just understand a little bit about the struggle that God has had with us. (laughs) Now, that sounds a bit hectic, right? But let's be honest. God has had a ridiculous struggle with mankind since the garden, right? Since Adam. Because since death entered the world, right, God has had to go to every extent to persuade people to trust him. Hello? Even to this day, you and I sitting here, you all agreed to that debit order story. Yeah, it was a trap, huh? Next, next week, sorry, no one's going to agree with you next week, but sorry. They know it's a trap. <laughs> but every single day, right, God is trying to persuade us to trust him. Are you guys with me? You look throughout history, a lot of people, uh, they, 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 they come against God. It's like, no, why didn't he just do it? It's like, listen, if you have that belief, your, your understanding of how God works is warped. Because God doesn't have this license where he can just come in and do whatever he wants to do. If that was the case, suffering would have ended in this world a long time ago. See, but the authority in this world sits with you and I. Right? I mean, if, we're st- if I'm standing here now, and, and, and let's say uh, somebody's getting murdered next to me. Right? They're about to get murdered. And I'm just watching it. I'm like, God, do something. Stop it. Stop it, God. was like, "Bruh, this is your realm. This is your dimension. Go and stop it. Are you guys with me, right? Why do you think Jesus had to come and have authority in this realm? Why did he have to come as a man? Because if you read the end of the book, when he's coming back, he's going to exercise that authority. When that that age of grace is over, it says that the son is coming back and he deals with with all his enemies in a whisper, cheers bro, have a nice day. Thank you, come again, all right? <laughs> no, don't come again, yeah. No. <laughs> you see, he can exercise that authority, but he said something so interesting. He said, the authority given to me, I give to you. Back to what Grant was touching on in today's stewardship message. That same authority that we've been given, right, is what we are supposed to be using to be impacting people with the kingdom of God every day. Right? You want to know why the world is so evil? You know what I saw this week? I saw this week that churches are now fighting for abortion rights. They're like, women, we're created of God. We have rights. It's our bodies. We're not talking about your body. We're talking about a baby. Hello? The baby is in your body, sorry, but that's just how it is, okay? But God has had the struggle from the beginning to try and persuade people. To try and persuade people, come to me, trust me, I have a plan. Let me lead you, let me show you what life is. Are you guys with me? And even when you look back in scripture and you look at all the delays, it's because God is waiting for someone to agree. That's what he's waiting for. You know, you go back and you look at all these, these guys in the Bible, Hebrews 11 is your easiest easiest reference, right? The, the, the faith hall of fame, as they call it. It's the easiest reference. God knows everything, right? So he knew every single person that he could possibly approach. And he knew every single person that would say yes and would say no, if God is all-knowing, right? So these names that were in the Bible, God was waiting for them to get to the point where they would agree. Are you with me? Until Jesus came and said, right, Lord, I agree to it all. Your will, not mine. Are you with me? And in the Bible, this struggle that God has had is because of something called iniquity. Everyone say iniquity. Do you know what iniquity is? It's not sin. That's not what iniquity is. Iniquity is the rejection of the knowledge of God. That's two different things. Are you with me? You find yourself in iniquity, you're going to end up in sin. Are you with me? But throughout the ages, you look at every sphere in society right now, ladies and gentlemen. Can we agree That the knowledge of God is practically eradicated. Not a God, the living God, right? It is completely eradicated. Would you guys agree? You look at what's being taught in schools. You look at what governments are standing up and proclaiming. The laws that they're putting in. The word of God is nowhere in society anymore, right? It's not even with Christians, Jared, you okay? No, it is. It is, you know. It's not even with Christians because, not not us, obviously. I'm just saying globally. I'm, I'm explaining the struggle God has. Because um, no one is walking with God anymore. No one values this word anymore. Now it becomes about worship songs. It becomes about a nice motivational sermon. It becomes, you know, a cool reasoning to keep people happy. How do we tolerate them, you know? I saw another poster, God's pronouns are they and them, because he's, he's a trinity, so he's, he's plural, you know, but this is, and that's a church, and it says, what some assembly of Christ something something, I'm like, which Christ, dude, maybe assembly of antichrist, I don't know, you know, but this is where we are, guys, and the thing is, we cannot step back and say, oh. Why is there so much evil in the world? Let me ask you something. If you choose to depart from the only source of good, what are you going to get? It's logical. It's really logical, you know? And in our own personal lives, where we have rejected the, the, the knowledge of God and we've rejected his way, we have seen the own price in our lives. Everyone should be nodding right now. Because you see, when you walk under iniquity, man, there is crazy suffering. If you want to do it in a way other than what God has prescribed, you have all the freedom to, but you're going to have all the chaos that comes with it. You're going to have the pain. You're going to have the loss. Are you with me? And God doesn't want that for us. He's not forcing anyone to go the way of iniquity. He's saying, listen, this is the way I've given you. Please, it's for your safety. Like what Tasso mentioned. Are you guys with me? So, when we are unsure about God's side of things, right? Our first indicator must be that we have submitted ourselves to iniquity. See, the minute you're stressing about provision, right? You've rejected the knowledge that God is your provider. The minute that you struggle with Sickness, or you're in fear about sickness, you've rejected that God is your healer. The minute you find yourself in condemnation, you've rejected that God is your righteousness. Are you guys with me? And herein lies the struggle that God has with us because He's already placed us in Christ. We are one spirit with Him. We are saved, healed, delivered set free, made prosperous. That's the salvation package. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Everlasting righteousness, saved forever. Amen? Yet, we're not taking hold of that. And our persuasion has nothing to do with our circumstance. Because you see, Even if we had no problems in our lives, we still would not be persuaded about who God is. Hello, are you with me? Bash, I thought this was about walking with God. What are you talking about, man? Lester, just hold on. Bear with me. Luke chapter 4. Are you guys following me so far? Are you understanding this picture? Because you see, unless we put this to bed, guys, we're going to have... Lots and lots and lots of struggles, right? Trying to get peace in our heart. Because we're not going to be able to attribute anything, uh, accountability to anything. We're not going to be able to say, oh, it's because of that. And that's when things become mystical. Are you with me? The moment something is mystical, it's out of control. You've got no control on it, right? And God's not in control. You're in control. Amen? Right. Right. Matthew chapter 4. Let's go to verse 16. Luke chapter 4, sorry. Yeah, the people are following, eh? Yo, no pressure. Yo, <laughs> yeah, and my Bible is Matthew chapter 4, okay? In yours is Luke. No, I'm kidding. Luke chapter 4. <laughs> uh, where am I now? Jared. 14, 414. Okay. Now, here's the thing. <clears throat> um, this is after Jesus comes out of the wilderness, Okay. And he went and he fasted for 40 days. Now that's a heavy story, okay? Some of us, we can manage breakfast, you know? <laughs> he goes for 40 days, and um, let's pick it up from verse 14. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee. Gal- Gal- no, Galilee. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth. Where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. Now, listen Jesus is not trying to make a, a, a clever moment here in his sermon, okay? I know a lot of preachers do that like, let me take this clever moment to manipulate everyone. No, he's under the spirit here, okay? And listen to what he says. The spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. geez, that's a cool scripture to read, right? Like, geez, Jesus, that's pretty cool. Let's carry on why he said that. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. That was the first mic drop in history, okay? The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, What was Jesus trying to get across here, right? Because that prophecy in Isaiah, they were waiting for, for very long. You go check the Jews. They were waiting, man. Where's this brew? This dude who's going to come and restore the kingdom to Israel, you know? And Jesus says today, that has been fulfilled right here, right now. Now look at the message that he gives. He is firstly declaring that I'm here from God. I am the one that has been sent to redeem that which was lost. Are you guys with me? But look what he says he came to do. Proclaim good news to the poor. Sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight of the blind, and to set the oppressed free. Now, do you know that there are believers who think that God is oppressing them to teach them something? Yet Jesus said, I've come to set the oppressed free. There are believers who think that God made them blind to teach them a lesson. But he said, no, I've come so that the blind may have sight. Are you guys with me? So the persuasion that I'm talking about, ladies and gents, you don't need persuasion to have your problem changed. You need persuasion about who God is. Are you with me? That's what you need persuasion about. Because if God is just there in your life to have your prayers answered, you're not walking with him. Because walking with God is not about fixing your problems. See, oh, thanks dudes. (laughs) Fixing your problems is a byproduct. Do you know why? Because the way of righteousness produces what? Abundant life. You know what abundant life is free from? Problems. Sheesh. Can I get an amen? Yeah, thank you. Right? Walking with God is not about your problems. Now, here's the thing. This is a bit of a hectic one, right? Because miracles are given as signs to the unbelievers. Agreed? Right? I mean, if an unbeliever walks in here, right, and we've got a dude in a coffin here, and we say, in the name of Jesus, stand up. And this dead dude rises. That guy's going to think one of two things. Either it's a zombie apocalypse, okay? Or he's going to be like, Jesus must be alive because this man is. Are you with me? That guy's going to be like, Jesus, I believe in you. Amen, hallelujah, I'm saved. We agree, okay? But here's the thing. In the beginning, when God created man and woman, right? What miracle needed to be done? Was there a sickness to be healed? Was there a dead to be raised? Was someone hungry who had no food? Yet, Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day. So if Adam and Eve were walking with God in the cool of the day, do you think they were walking like, Lord, we need breakthrough? Okay, what's wrong? Ah, the grass is long. Okay. Lord, we need breakthrough. What's wrong? No, the fish are talking badly at me. What did he need breakthrough for? Hello? If we do not get to this point, guys, we'll never practically walk with God in our lives. Because you see, Christians today, unfortunately, have been taught to live carnally. Right? Come to Jesus, he'll take all your suffering. Yes, he will, but he doesn't take it first. Come to Jesus, he'll provide all your needs. Yes, he will, but he doesn't do it first. Come to Jesus, he'll heal all your sickness. Yes, he will. Sometimes first, sometimes later, but you know. Why must you come to Jesus? So you can experience life. Because here's the thing. Here's my hands today. Here's the thing. As a believer, do you know that you don't need to ask God for anything? Yes. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. As a believer, right, do you know when you go into the action of asking God for something, it's not because you don't have it. The action of asking God for something is to deal with the doubt that's in your own heart. Are you with me? Because to say that you don't have everything that you need means that Christ did not complete what he came to complete. I'm not, you're not arguing with me. You're arguing with Jesus. Okay. Are you guys with me? Do you hear what I'm saying, guys? This is what Christ called us to. This is the kingdom. This is life in him. Nothing missing. Who said nothing missing? Nothing missing, nothing broken. Are you with me? And yes, it's scriptural. The Bible tells us, whatever you need, Ask. But what is the process of asking? He's not saying ask because you don't have. He's saying ask so that you may acknowledge that Christ has already given. Are you with me? But what happens when we walk with the consciousness of our problem? You okay there, Jared? Enjoying yourself? Praise the Lord. Hey, the man's smiling. Touching his eyebrows too. Yeah. What happens when we walk with the consciousness of our problem? You have less, and you have less, and you have less, and you have less. All of a sudden, you've got nothing. Right? So walking with God, if in your mind you have the motive of walking with God to fix your life, you've lost the benefit. Are you with me? Because the Bible tells us that if this word is not mixed with faith in your heart. It's useless to you. It's just letters on a page. Now, what is faith? We've touched on this a 1,050 times. Faith is trusting in God. It is the unwavering trust in the integrity of God's character. All right? That's what faith is. Now, if you take this word and it is not anchored on a person, it's going to be useless to you. Are you with me? So when we look at it, and I had to paint that picture, right, because we often do not want to attribute the correct accountability for all the problems in our lives. Every problem in your life came from a decision. It was either Adam's one, right, and you're living in that death consequence through the generations. It was either your decision, right, or it was someone else's. Can you see the common thread through all of it is that it was a man's choice. That you have the consequences that you have. But Christ made a choice for you. And he's asking you to choose the same. That we share in his death so that we may share in his glory. Are you with me? Right? So check this out. Are you guys getting something this morning? Can I keep going? Okay. I didn't hear a no, so I'm going to keep going. Okay. So here Jesus sets up the whole story about what he's come to do. Sets it up straight away. He's like, if you're ever in doubt about why I'm here, look, I've only come to help people. I haven't come to take account. I haven't come to collect the debt. I haven't come to judge. No, I have come to help. Step one, right? You need to be completely persuaded in your own heart that God is for you. Amen? You need to be fully persuaded in your heart and have your heart established in the love of God for you. If you do not do that, guys, forget every promise. You know why? Because you're just going to be working against your own disqualification. And you're going to be spitting out that promise every single day. The Lord is my provider. The Lord is my provider. And your heart's going to tell you, he may be your provider, bro, but you ain't worthy. Say it all you want. You're not worthy. You're unqualified. You're condemned. You guilty sinner, you. If you do not establish grace in your heart, like Hebrews tells us, Hebrews tells us, it's good for our hearts to be established in grace. What is grace? The unmerited, unearned favor of God. God's own ability at work in your life. If that is not established in your heart, forget everything else. Forget it. Because you're going to be that Christian that stresses until you see the miracle. What about being the son or daughter of God who is at peace regardless of what's happening? What about being the son or daughter of God that whenever a need is, met, a need is seen in your life or someone else's, you don't be like, oh no, what are we going to do? You say, Father, where have you provided You see, that persuasion comes from sonship. It doesn't come from being a church member. Being a church member is great. We love you. You love us. I know. Fantastic. But the true power in your life comes from you walking in sonship. Walking in the truth of who you are in Jesus. Are you guys with me? Right? So the number one persuasion has to be about who is God. Now, as a believer... You should have a, div- a defined framework about who God is. If someone had to ask you, who is God? What are his attributes? What is he about? What can I expect from God? Right? What would you say? God is love. God is light. God is good. God is healer. God is provider. He makes us holy. He makes us righteous. He heals us. Um He's our banner. He's our victory. Are you guys with me? All the names of God. Now, we've been stressing the names of God for I don't know how many years in this ministry, right? Because there is this principle that we, have, we as people need to manage, and it's called managing expectations. Right? Now, shall, let's say I need a lift from you. Okay? Shall, I need a lift. You say, yeah, sure. What time? Yeah, we can leave when I'm ready. What are you going to say to me? Yeah. No, I'm saying I'm, we'll leave when I'm ready. You, okay, 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 that's fine. Let's say, let's say you go into a business deal with someone, right? And you're like, and then you say, um, yeah, so are we going to split the things? I was like, no, we'll sort it out when we get there what are you doing you're not managing the expectation right ladies in the house who are in a relationship let me ask you a question right personal one when said man in your life husband or whatever asked you out right what was what was the the line or the you know what was the motion Wait, Delron, i I going to use your one. Oh, Delron's not here. I can use it. No, I'm kidding. He's not here. What was the line? Anyone want to share it? Auntie Charmaine, what, what did Opa say to you? He says, hey, yo, like a dung. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, Opa would never use an Afrikaans line. Not a chance. <laughs> but like when he says, hey, let's go for coffee, right? Let's say... When he says, hey, listen, you're, okay, whoa, whoa, let's, this is a family service. Let's just, I'm regretting this question. (laughs) But when he says, let's go for coffee or let's, hey, you want to go see a movie, you know, all this stuff. Now there's that little bit of spark. There's a little bit of interest. But at that point in time from that line, you don't know what's going to happen, right? Like, oh, and then the whole night you're nervous. Then you're sitting in the movie and then you're next to each other and you're like, and the arm touches, you're like, okay. All right, we're here now. Okay, it's cool. You know, then you go for coffee afterwards, and then, then, Kirk, why are you laughing? You did this with Max, huh? Yeah, you did this with Max. So, can you see when those expectations are just left there, right? What's, What's the only expectation that you can have is anxiety. It's no different with God, guys. This is why God told us from the onset, this is how you manage your expectation of me. You look at my son. And you look at my character. Amen. It is mine and your job, ladies and gentlemen, to believe that God is who he says he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Amen. That is what you and I need to do. You and I don't need to fight every day to figure out how God's going to fix a problem, whether or not he's going to provide. He paid for that responsibility in our lives. He paid for that with his life. Our responsibility and our diligence every day needs to be, okay, God, I'm going to manage this expectation I have of you. People saying that you're, you're going to, you, you make people sick and you test them. People say that you're causing all the evil in the world. They're wrong because according to this, I know who you are. Amen. I'm going to close with this. Can I close? Okay, John 15. Now, oh, this topic, man, this topic we can go on. Eh? Ooh, Lord have mercy. Hallelujah. Now, that's the managing expectations thing. Has everyone got that down? Right? You guys understand now where you need to do the work in your own heart. Okay? Go home. Google the names of God in the Bible. Not any other God, okay? The names of God in the Bible. Okay? Um, <laughs> I think, where is it? Oh, Zoe's not here today. Zoe was Googling some things the other week. And man, this thing was spitting up. Google was like spitting up like Scientology and uh, like Zoe, no, no, no. So Dennis is like, um, sorry, maybe I should use the Bible. That's probably a good idea. <laughs> all right? But the names of God. And go and read all the names that God chose to make himself known to his people. Because in those names, he was explaining to them, this is what you can expect from me. I'm not going to give you anything else. Are you guys with me? Right. John 15. Now, here's the thing. Tasso mentioned last week, right? You know? Becoming saved, then opening up your heart to God and being friends with God, and then eventually being intimate with God, you know, lovers and stuff. So let's talk about this principle of friendship, and I want you guys to think about this this week. And, and I don't know, Deeds, maybe you can pick it up next week, right? So let's, uh, le- let's go through here. Um, let's take it from 12, 15, 12. I'm loving it. We don't love McDonald's. We love Jesus. Amen but also McDonald's is nice, hallelujah, amen. Okay, so my command is this. Oh, heavy, we're starting with the commandment, everyone's like, eh. no, relax. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Easy enough, right? So if Jesus loves us first, we can love everyone, cool. Next, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Okay, I've mentioned this before. Jesus is not telling you to lay your life down for your friends. He's saying that he's the only one who can do it, okay? You are my friends. Hey. But wait. If you do whatever I command you. Okay. Do you guys remember in school, okay? You were like little, right? Young. Some of us are still little. Young, okay? Um, And you know there were the cool kids in school, right? And then you just wanted to be their friends, and they would tell you things to do So you could like be their friends. That's not what Jesus is doing here. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The key to being Jesus' friend is not following his commandments. Are you with me? I had to use that very basic example because everyone understood it. Because sometimes people think if I do what Jesus commands me, I'll be his friend. No. What he's meaning here is that if you follow my commandments, it's evidence that you are my friend. Let me say that again. If you follow my command, it's evidence that you are my friend. Because you see, friendship, right, if you think about your BFF that you have in life, whoever it is, and all the Christians be like, oh, Jesus, my BFF. Okay, wait. I'm talking about a normal human person here, okay? Um, Friendship has in it, all right, um, an element where you are constantly exchanging value. Are you with me? How many of you pick up a habit from your friend? Right, my number one—I think the first habit I picked up was, "Are you with me, hey dudes? That's Yola. Are you with me?" All of a sudden, we all started saying that. Even Tasso says it now. Did you hear? Yes, it's hilarious. Right? Are you with me? Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. <laughs> I don't know if that was unconscious or not. But with your friends, you pick up habits, right? Maybe it's a laugh. Maybe it's a catchphrase. Yes, yeah, I got some phrases from some people in this church. Lord have mercy. Y'all need salvation. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but there is that exchange, a heart-to-heart value exchange. Are you with me? And along the way, you start developing a common road. Hello? And you'll see you have acquaintances in life and you're all, you know, along the way. But then those ones that you are really close with, over time, you start developing a common road. Are you with me? This is the principle that Jesus is talking about here when he says, you are my friends if you do whatever I command. Because he's saying that if you are following my commandments, it means that you and I have exchanged value. You don't. Jesus is not the popular kid at school, guys. He's not the bully that makes you, you know, earn your friendship. No, that's not him. He's like, yeah, yeah, listen, go scratch the teacher's car and you can be friends with us, you know. Like, dude. No, that's not Jesus. Okay, no, sorry, principal. No, it's not the case. (laughs) Jesus is saying, if you and I have this exchange, you're going to see the value in my command. He's bringing it back to connecting with him. Not an instruction he has for you, right? Not a demand that he has from you. Not what he can do for you. He's looking at a heart-to-heart exchange. Are you with me? Oh, my gosh, can I stop saying that? Okay, next. Hello? Where are we? Fifteen. Look at this. I no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. Now, Paul, in his letters, he says, I, Paul, a servant of Christ. Yes, as then, all the Christians. (gasps) I'm a servant for you, Lord. Like, No, guys. Paul's talking about being a servant for the message, the gospel. He's going out as instructed by God to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. Paul's relationship with God is not a servant. Do you know why? Because there wasn't any other person in the New Testament who expounded more on what Jesus was doing. Jesus himself said here, servant does not know what his master is doing. Do you think Paul knew what Jesus was doing? Yes. Emphatically, yes. Yes. Obviously, he wasn't a servant. So he was saying, I'm a servant to the mission. I will lay my life down so that this gospel can get everywhere. But the relationship that Paul had with God was son. Are you with me? But I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. Now, Jesus has called you friend. Hello, friend. Remember when you rock up at preschool? Like, hey, buddy, let's be friends. Yeah. And then you start playing, you know? Yeah. Jesus is saying, I want to be your friend. And Tasso touched on this last week where he said, God is continuously opening his heart to us. Even though we've made him an enemy in our own mind, he's still opening his heart to us. And look what he says here. I've made you my friend. I I, I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. How many things? Oh. Then... They'll come. There's a secret of God, guys. Really? All things have been made known. Why do you want secrets? Can we stop? All right, next. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Who chose you? Who chose you? All right. Next. These things I command you that you love one another. Now, here's the thing. We can see here that there's a very intimate conversation happening with the disciples. Okay? And you know, when you go to 16 and 17, things get hectic. Right? If they had to make a movie about that dialogue, it was going to be a heavy one. Right? Because Jesus was literally opening up his heart and saying, guys, this time that I've had with you has been amazing. It's been all the stuff, but I got to go. But you know what? I've prayed to God and I'm trusting him that this is all going to work out. That he's going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to lead you. He's going to anoint you with power and you're going to do even more than what I did. Are you with me? It's a hectic moment because Jesus walked with these guys. They were his friends, man. They, they lived life together day in and day out. Weren't just little, hey, thou shalt, thou shalt not healed, provide. No, we're talking about a life connection here. You know, a lot of people want to give their life for Jesus. Why don't you start being friends first? You know why people get into romantic relationships too quickly? It's because they don't know how to have friendship with God. If we do not have the perfect relationship sorted out, and I mean, he's in your heart, but I'm using the illustration, right? If we don't have that relationship sorted out, what relationship in life is going to be right? Please explain to me. Because that is the model that's been given to us from him. Are you with me? And like I told you before, every consequence in your life comes from a relationship. Amen? So let's think about and let's actually open up our hearts to say, okay, God, you know what? Friendship sounds like a good thing. You know, I remember a moment early on where I was like testing out this God thing. You know, I grew up where... If I didn't go to church on a Sunday, I was going to get beat. So I went to church on a Sunday. But I didn't go to church for God. I went for my mom. Because my mom's beating was worse than God's beating, right? <laughs> Even if I went out on the weekend, if I missed that Sunday morning service, you best believe, you know? But praise God, I ended up a preacher. Hallelujah, you know? But the thing is this um, when I came, started coming to church, serious, you know, the worship leader says, just tell God how much you love him. I struggled. Because the only person I really told in my life that I loved was my mom. Because I truly loved her. Like the other people, they upset me, but I loved them. But I didn't want to tell them, you know. You guys ever been in that space, you know. And I was, I was very like, I was very hard-hearted. So like telling someone I love you is like, that's hectic, you know. And this guy said, just tell God how much you love him. And I stood there and I'm like, I can't say that. I mean, how do I say that and mean it? And it hit me in my heart. I was like, yes, if I'm here, but I'm not connecting to God, what am I doing? Are you with me? And every single one of us need to be asking that question. Are we playing church? Are we just enjoying our little fellowship here and coffee and samosas? Or is this part of the benefit of being in a family that is connected with God? Being in a family that is full of the children of God that are walking every single day in a real relationship with him. Musas are great. Coffee's great. bunny Chow's, all the rest. Everything's fantastic. The fellowship, it's all fantastic. But the only thing that will sustain us is our connection to him. Are you with me? We can't go on playing Christian. And then when it all falls apart, we're like, yo, the Christian God's a waste of time. Really? Really? Sounds like you're the waste of time. Are you with me? Let's not be people that waste our time, guys. We either say we are for God and we're walking with him, or let's, just, let's not have anything to do with him. Seriously. Religious preachers would use the lukewarm thing here. No, lukewarm's got nothing to do with that. I'm saying for your own sanity, for the own conflict, your own conflict in your own heart, choose Choose to be fully persuaded about who God is or forget him completely. Don't be stuck in between. You know why? Your heart's not going to handle it. Because if you try to convince yourself that you want to get a piece of someone who is so perfect, but never commit your heart to him, your heart will break in a way that it won't be able to be healed. You know, Christians that say, no, I tried the church thing. It didn't work. Jesus, not for me. You never had him, but... You never had him. I'm sorry. There is not a person who is alive that can have an experience with God and a true connection, relationship with Jesus and turn away from him. Do you know why? Because they know that there's only death in this world. They know he's the only life. So when we talk about walking with God, you need to understand that you're not just this narcissistic brat that sits there and God just showers you with all these stuff. No, if you want to be The son of the king. You need to be ready to walk in the kingdom. And what that means is is that, okay, dad, I'm going to take your vision for me. If I am a son of the king, what that means is is that I'm going to learn the ways of the king. I'm going to walk as the king walks. I'm going to speak as the king speaks. I'm going to see as the king sees. Which is what Jesus came to give every single one of us. He lived a life to show us how that's possible. Are you with me? Look at the person next to you and say, hey, when you think of your problems, it's easier to die. (laughs) It's like, uh, that took a dark turn. Yes, it's easier to die. Die to yourself. Let go of your logics and your convictions and your insecurities and whatever you need in this life. Kill it all and anchor yourself in Jesus. <laughs> you don't know what he did to me. Well, Christ died so that you can be forgiven and your heart can be free to walk with him. Forget him. You don't need him. You got Jesus. Amen. But you don't know. This is, this is the only thing that's important to me. You can change what's important to you. Look to Jesus. This is how I become successful. Change your understanding of success. But I just want to be beautiful. Look at being God's masterpiece. Are you with me? If we want to walk with God, right? We're not on a leash and God follows us everywhere. You know, in Matthew 6, 33, I was supposed to close like a thousand minutes ago. I'm so sorry. In Matthew 6, seek first What? The kingdom. Now that word, basileia. Well, Tasso says bees or V's. So, basileia. Okay, anyway. you? Um, the root word of that, you know where it comes from? You go and read it. It's in the dictionary. The root word of it, it's actually walking hand in hand with someone. Now everyone will preach kingdom, 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 and it's this. And it's fine, that's fine. But the heart that it's taught with is walking hand in hand with someone. How can you use the motive that it's for the kingdom if you're not walking hand in hand with God? Let's bring it back to what it's about, guys. Please. This is about relationship. And it's not about relationship so you can get what you want. This is about relationship so you can discover who you have. Amen. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Sheesh, Father, thank you for this morning. Wow. Thank you, Lord. You are so good to us. So, with everything that you've heard this morning, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, those of you who are watching online, you can respond in the comments and um, we'll get in touch with you if needed. Take stock this morning. Ask yourself, you know what? Does God have the friend space in your heart? Does he have the friend space in your heart? And if he doesn't, that's okay. You just need to ask yourself the question, okay, what do I need to give him that space? Because the Bible tells us he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother has given us so much evidence of his love for us he's given us so much evidence that he is for our good you decide what you'll accept but be honest with yourself because if someone laying down their life for you is not enough evidence for you It doesn't mean you don't want to accept him. It means you don't want to let go of what you're holding on to. Because deep down in your heart, you think that becoming friends with Jesus is going to cause you to lose something. And friend, I want to tell you this morning, there is no loss in walking with Jesus. There is only gain. Gain after gain after gain after gain. If you believe there's something you can lose by walking with Jesus, you've been lied to. He made a statement that he is the life. The life. There's no life in this world apart from him. You've heard this word this morning and it's fresh and it's impacted you. Take stock right now in this moment. Take stock. It's good for us to take stock because we only want the truth of God's word in our hearts. We don't want anything else. Because we know that's the only thing that produces life. And if you're here this morning and it's the first time hearing about Jesus, here this morning, and um, you've heard about him before, but you've never really taken the decision to to commit to him. You've never really taken the decision to accept that which he has for you, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I want to pray with you this morning. Just slip up your hand right now. I want to help you. Is anyone here this morning? live stream just type in the comments right now thank you father thank you lord lord i thank you for every heart that heard this word this morning thank you holy spirit that you brought it across exactly as it needed to be i pray lord that clear perspective was given this morning I pray that you give every person in this room the grace, your power, your ability, Lord, to make the change in their hearts that they want to make. I thank you, Lord, that through this decision, you will become more real to them day after day, Lord. That it doesn't matter what happens in their lives or in the world, they will have an absolute surety about who you are, Lord. That they will, they will take your heart, Father, and they will, they will align themselves with it. They will start experiencing your thoughts, your emotions. They will start doing your will, Father. They will start seeing your vision, Lord. And through that connection with you, Lord, they will rise up and build a life that will cause jealousy to everyone around them, just like you intended, God. So that when they get asked how this happened, they're going to say, because I have a good, good father. Would you like to meet him? We thank you so much for who you are, Lord. We thank you that you have withheld nothing from us. We thank you that you are so good to us, Lord. Thank you for your love that never changes, your love that never fails, Lord. Everyone said, amen. Come on, give God a praise.